So welcome, here we are again with our Accented Philosophy podcast and today we want to talk about only fans and the problems um, that they had with financing um, content that was questionable perhaps. Um, my name is Andy and... Um, Hello everyone, I'm Ezekiel, welcome back. Yes, and so Ezekiel, we talked last time about um beauty online so this was our topic and we will talk again about this uh, but in between now we want to go back to the topic that we had originally planned for last time which was only fans and um do you want to briefly remind us of what happened there yes so there was a controversy because so only fans is this platform where um content creators can just post any sort of content about themselves and people can decide to pay to um, have access to this content. So it's like, you know, you follow someone on social media, but instead of just following the Insta Instagram page, you pay such that you can receive specific content because you particularly like this person or you want to support what they do. And it can be anything. It can be influencers, It can be celebrities, it can be just any person who has anything interesting to say, or, or maybe even, or maybe not. But, um, but anyway, it seems that, that this soon developed right into being a um, vehicle for um, pornographic content um, and sex, yeah. online sex work, right? Yeah, so it's not just that, but it's also a platform for people, for sex workers to provide, you know, content and people willingly paid for this and that's the source of income and and also in, in time of um obviously covid this was particularly helpful because these people during lockdowns could not you know necessarily meet in person so people who wanted the content could get some content and they could also get money um and it, yeah it uh turned into this place where you could make money um through some kind of online sex work And then, you know, anyone can post anything uh, of a graphic uh, nature on this and get money for that. So, and then what happened is that the, uh, well, the website decided to ban pornography from the platform and say, you know, uh, you could no longer post anything of a pornographic nature on it. Although it was uh, it was driven by the banks, right? I mean, it was not a decision of the platform itself. It it seems that they were pressured by the banks to stop doing this um, because the banks refused to collect the money and so on, right? But anyway, um, people were upset about this decision. They thought, you know, this is our right to, to do this and this is private. You can only have access if you decide to pay and people are free to make that decision. And this is a source of income for many people that would not have done money otherwise, uh, especially because of COVID, but also in general, you know, they prefer to, it's a different thing, you know, to be a sex worker in real life and online, obviously. Uh, so you may want to make that decision, but not necessarily meet people in person. And uh, well, the pressure from people, from fans um, was so big that the, that only fans uh, reversed their decision. But so there's no change. But um, not that I'm aware of, I'm not a user of OnlyFans, but I think it's back to normal. 
but it raises the problem of, you know, is it okay to get paid for this kind of content? Is it a matter of freedom? Should websites be regulated like this? Should corporations and websites tell us what is, you know, moral for us to do uh, or not? You know, so all of these uh, big questions that we're we're going to try to answer today. Humbly. Right. So, so the first, I mean, you just mentioned it, is the question, can the platform prescribe what kind of content it wants on its platform? Uh, as I said, I, I don't think that was the point with OnlyFans. The, the point was there that the banks, as far as I understood it, uh, pressured them. But uh, assuming that, that there is such a thing, I mean, Twitter or Facebook have done this. They have said, we don't want this kind of explicit content. Mm. Um, and this is not only... Um, about explicit content. It's also about, you know, illegal content. But of course, there is a problem there when we, you, you can easily justify a platform not wanting illegal content uh, and it is backed by the laws of the country in which the platform operates. Mm -hmm. But when then it starts uh, choosing other content, you could say this is a form of censorship. And... Um, now, this is difficult, right? Because on the one hand, we think that um, the platform owner should have the right to decide what happens on their platform. Um, on the other hand, we think that some of these platforms are so big that they become public utilities like Facebook. If you have, you know, 2 billion people or 3 billion people, half of the world's population uh, being regular users of a platform, then you cannot say anymore that this is a place where uh, the owner of the platform uh, or the, you know, the person who who manages it uh, can decide what is um, allowed there. But this now has become a public forum and must um, obey uh, public rules of discourse. So how do we deal with this um, requirement uh, of of the freedom of the owner of the platform to decide what happens on it versus the um, public freedom to, to to be able to engage in free speech as everybody likes. Yeah, so I guess, well, the main difference, obviously, between OnlyFans and, and social media in general is that OnlyFans is it's much, it's much more private. You have to pay, you, you have to make that decision and it's not open to everyone. Social media, you can have a private account, but generally it's quite open and public. So, you know, anyone can see, children can accidentally see things. It's 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 quite different. But then the question of public speech online is obviously the um, same question. Um, so I, I have, I think some things obviously should be regulated. I think it's right that social media in some ways regulate some form of speech for like, example, hate speech, violent speech, people who say, you, should, you, know, um, you know, promote violence in general in all kinds of ways. Um, misinformation but that's also a very tricky point because what is misinformation etc um but at the same time my problem here is that it's not some I, I think regulations are necessary but i don't know if we should leave that in the hands of big corporations and uh, you know that are not public um entities right because a, a big corporation will only you know, care about maximizing profit. That's the goal of a corporation. So you can wonder whether that impacts the kind of information they will filter or not, right? 
And I, I'm much more doubtful about the neutrality of these websites um, in terms of information and who to decide to censor or not than I would be um, about, you know, a platform that would be ran by, I don't know, the people or some public, uh, publicly founded uh, institution or even a government, assuming the government is uh, functioning democratically, uh, healthily. But um, this is the primary here, is who is doing the censorship, who is doing the regulation, and for what reason. And when it's corporations, uh, I'm usually very suspicious. So, um, yeah, so you could question, of course, whether state control is always good. This depends on how democratic the government is. Uh, you could imagine that a Russian uh, platform, for example, run by the state might not uh, be as democratic as you would wish it to be. Uh, on the other hand, we also, I mean, there is also a lot of uh, resentment against the BBC, for example, nowadays, although this is in a democratic country, because people perceive or, or think that perhaps it has a particular political agenda, again, uh, which um, people don't share. So in a way, you know, there is this pluralism of private platforms that seems also to be a good thing that increases the uh, democratic uh, character of this communication uh, because everybody can just go and make a platform and if you disagree with the way platforms are run uh, you can make your own and especially in, in this age where people are afraid of conspiracies and of uh, you know government control uh, there seems to be some value in having all these uh, platforms that can be uh, independent of government control what do you think yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, when I said government, I was also a bit, you know, uh, careful because obviously it's assuming the government is like the an ideal form of government, really. But I mean more like public institutions, you know, things that are uh, founded by public money, things that don't really have one person uh, running it, and things that are not supposed to make profit, you know, institutions. Uh, or organisms that are non-profit organisms, like meant to simply do a, a job, um, get enough money from it to sustain, and that's it. But then, obviously, I'm not opposed to the idea that people providing can provide a uh, biased kind. I mean, biased and a kind of information that serves their own ideas. So I think it's it's good that we have like. Um, right-wing newspapers, left-wing newspapers, you know, we have information coming from all across the political spectrum. It doesn't mean we should censor people because, I mean, I don't think we should censor people because they have an agenda, but then it depends what kind of agenda they have. If it's at the service of some ideals, some principles that they happen to have, uh, and that means they belong to you know, the left or the right or, or whatever that is. I think that's fine, but I think they should be open and transparent about it. I think there's some media that say, well, we're openly, I don't know, environmentalists, right? And we will give you information from that perspective. So if you read us, well, you, you know what to expect. Um, they should not pretend to be neutral. And then we should also have neutral information. But uh, it's different than when it comes to um, corporations, 
deciding who to censor, who not to censor, not based on principles, but based on their financial agenda, which is quite different because you're not serving the same purpose. And there might be a problem from a moral perspective in serving you know, the purpose of making money more than serving the purpose of promoting certain ideas, right? Um, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's the same thing. Then there yeah. are ideas that you want to promote that are problematic too, but that's, yeah, that's another thing. Okay, so, so if you go back to OnlyFans now, if you say that you would prefer something like this to be run by the state, so now this, this seems difficult in the case of OnlyFans, right? Uh, yeah. Could we have the state support a site that is based on the idea of dissemination of, of pornography yeah. for fans? Uh, it, would this make sense? Or should we make an exception there or should we have a different approach for uh, social media like Facebook and on the other hand these uh, fans sites especially if they are if they are fans of something that the government perhaps shouldn't be promoting like pornography or or is there a problem with the government promoting pornography at all <coughs> sorry <coughs> um i think It's a bit different, the question of OnlyFans, because it is about sexuality. And generally, I don't think the government should really interfere too much about that. I mean, it's, it seems to be a private matter, uh, you know, to a certain extent, obviously, because there are things that are of sexual nature that are illegal and they should be legal. But when it comes to pornography, I remember when I was uh, in India some years ago, I think the government tried to make pornography illegal in the country in general. In China, it is illegal, for example. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, people were very upset in India. I remember they said, you cannot tell me what I do, you know, on, in the privacy of my home and I'm not hurting anyone. And I don't think pornography, uh, per se is wrong. Right. Uh, I do think it serves a purpose. Um, and you know, obviously it can, um, lead to certain difficulties you know you can get addicted this kind of thing but i don't think per se it's necessarily wrong and i don't think the government really should regulate this uh unless it's about you know protecting certain certain public from it obviously so this is not something that should be completely uh, uh, out there but uh when it comes to people adults who willingly decide to get access to something and pay uh, for it. Um, I don't think that should be necessarily a problem. So, and this is why only the only fan question is not really a matter of censorship. It's more a matter of uh, is pornography problematic, immoral, and should the government do something about that? Yes. So it's, um, I mean, you, you just said in between um, it serves a purpose. So this, this obviously is not a good argument. I mean, Uh, contra killers also no. save serve a purpose, right? But we would not say that uh, killing uh, should be uh, or terrorism, you know, serves a purpose sometimes. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, a purpose uh, that that is that leads to a good consequence. Um, yes, but you're not a consequentialist, right? So we I, we don't want to emphasize the the consequence too much. It's it's also the means, right? Uh, and and the yeah. question is, it, are are these means, you know, something that we want to endorse? Um, yeah. yeah, so 
then of course it's a question of damages also that are caused right of harm that is caused and so we need to ask does pornography cause harm and you already mentioned you know that there might be um, perhaps some cases in which pornography is harmful or or perhaps exploits um, the creators uh, this is a thing you know if you say about the thing you said in India, you know, there you focused only on the consumption of it. You said, what I do in my in my private home is my thing. This might be true, but you don't, then you don't look sufficiently on the creation side of it, um, where we would all agree, perhaps if children are involved in the creation of it, then it's a bad thing. Um, but uh, perhaps it is it is always a bad thing because it involves the exploitation of the people who are providing this service and um, perhaps it would be better if these sex workers who provide these pornographic materials instead could provide something else, you know, perhaps they could sing or perhaps they could dance or perhaps they could do some kind of other performance that would also be attractive but not involve um, pornography. So the question is, is the, is the performer or the creator harmed in some way? Uh, the, the obvious thing would be, you know, to say perhaps something is happening with their human dignity, something is happening with their, um, uh, you know, with, with them as persons. You can imagine that, that somebody whose face is uh, known from pornographic movies when they go uh, to the supermarket, you know, they might have a problem. So what do we think about this? So I don't think I want to go as far as uh, telling people what they should do uh, in their spare time, like, you know, singing instead of uh, providing graphic content on OnlyFans. I think that would be a bit paternalistic. But then it's the same question as sex work, obviously. Is there some kind of human dignity or, you know, purity or, or whatever that is being violated in, you know, being paid to engage in that kind of activity so last time we couldn't really get an answer and i really don't know if that's the case i really don't know if there's something special about sexuality that makes it immoral to get paid for it but again even if you're not sure or even if you think it is a little immoral or at least it's it's a different kind of activity you can also think people should be free to to do that as long as they're you know, no one is hurt in the process. So like for sex work, I think it has to do with how people who engage in sex work are treated and just also if they have other options than this. You know, if only, if only fans is your only way to survive and you're miserable doing it, but that's the only thing you can do, that's a bad thing because it means you, you lack freedom, you lack options, right? It's we don't have a lot of doors open. Um, so I think what we should do is maximizing the number of doors that are open to you. Right. But but now this has two, two problems. So one is uh, that there is a different profile in online sex work than, uh, you know, offline sex work. Uh, so the offline version of, of prostitution is normally an affair where a small number of people are involved. So you have, you know, the um, sex worker and you have a, a small number of customers uh, daily, while um, online sex work can reach millions of people. So there is some different 
uh, aspect to it, especially since the consumer is anonymous. Um, most of the time you don't see him. Uh, so this uh, dignity problem seems to be bigger in the online version because in the in the offline version, you could say it's a one-to-one -one transaction and the customer also gives up, you know, his dignity. If there is any problem with dignity, it's a symmetrical mm. problem. So the customer mm. has the same problem as the sex worker while um, in the online version, the sex worker unilaterally, you know, give up their dignity in order to produce these materials uh, while the customer stays hidden. <clears throat> so this could be perceived as being some some difference there in, in power right, between the customer and the provider. I'm not sure it's that different because the, the customer is still paying for sexual content, uh, not engaging physically with it, but still paying so if someone feels like you know they like dignity because they want to see a sex worker in real life they might feel the same if they pay to get sexual content online i don't know um there's probably a difference in doing that uh, or going to a pornography website for which you don't pay so i don't i don't know uh if if there's a difference in the experience of the consumer but I okay. think the the same relationship, uh, you know, between the culture. yeah. And the other problem is the is the potential for um, misuse uh, by uh, minors, for example, or or even this thing with exploitation. What you said to give people options. Uh, the problem is, I mean, it's nice to say this to give people options, but how do you? even uh, start to do this with an online platform that is only available to subscribers. Uh, there is no public record of who provides these services and what options they have. And uh, how can we make sure that these options are given to them? You could say in principle, in an, in an offline prostitution, regulated prostitution environment, you would have some kind of consultation available for sex workers. You might uh, get them to regular sessions in which you, they can talk with, with some kind of professional who might give them advice uh, or, you know, revoke their license if they turn out to be endangered by this job they are doing. Uh, offline, you know, the, the thing happens so much behind this platform mm -hmm. that there is no way for the state to regulate it or to... Um, to even be aware that they are problems for the sex workers, for the creators. And and we know from, you know, even non-sex non content, the YouTube creators, there have been famous, famously stories of people burning out and, and creating problems for themselves and their lives uh, by being yeah. popular creators on YouTube. So how do you really practically not only say it would be good to protect them, but how how can we make an attempt to actually protect them? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because, like, when you mentioned YouTube, I do think YouTube has some kind of responsibility about some form of content that is allowed on YouTube and gets a lot of views. But you know, um, obviously, people get paid, and uh, and YouTube doesn't really care about that. So YouTube will censor things like, or Instagram, for example, would censor like uh, nipples or a woman breastfeeding, things like that. Uh, but then you have, for example, you know, it's always a big uh, debate about mukbangs. Do you know what a mukbang is? No. Uh, on YouTube. It's uh, when people film themselves eating a, a lot of food, like an enormous, you know, amount of food. 
until they're really sick and it's kind of a challenge, you know, how much food can I eat? Blah, blah, blah. And these are very popular on YouTube. And so it's, it's okay, you know, if uh, someone does like one of these videos once in a while, it's, I'm not going to say anything, but then you have people who have built their um, YouTube fame on these mukbangs and who constantly do them and who um, obviously injure themselves because uh, years and years and years of that uh, cannot be good for you. And they end up getting a, gaining a lot of weight, uh, having different like uh, health problems and stuff like that and um youtube not regulating any of that is a little problematic to me um but, yeah, then but is it is it youtube's job to regulate it or the the states i mean it seems that youtube you cannot ask of a company to to exclude its own um you know creators who provide the income for this company right this is too much to ask youtube's job is not to self-regulate um yeah, for example facebook i mean it's the same right so, okay it's not the same company but facebook will regulate people who misspread you know spread misinformation um in a way so they're not going to be necessarily censored but at least you might get a little uh, warning you know on the facebook posts uh let's say someone's says something about the vaccines being ineffective or some conspiracy theories facebook may post a little like be careful this is not proven you know and this is the research you may want to look at the facts and blah, blah, blah. maybe youtube could do something similar i don't know i just find it a bit of an, an unhealthy dynamic when youtube is actively promoting these this kind of activity by giving a lot of money for views and people know that views Uh, they can get views from these things because people, for some reason, like to see people doing mukbangs. And um, so it's this kind of toxic dynamic. You know, you want more views, you sell more mukbangs, and you hurt yourself. Yeah, but, but this is, isn't this also a more basic problem of this uh, capitalist uh, yeah, organization? Exactly. I mean, it, it, it seems like people should not want to watch this in the first place, right? We have yeah. created a society in which people want to watch content that is not, um, not good for them and not good for anybody else that has no value. Um, is there, you know, not a, a requirement then that we as society make more clear that this kind of thing it doesn't provide value and uh, i don't know so what i don't we could think do. so i don't think uh capitalism created this kind of unhealthy tendency that we may all have i think it's kind of in human nature to want to see things like this you know you see an accident on the side of the road you just want to see um this is natural which doesn't mean it's good, but we seem to all have these impulses and this curiosity. And even I sometimes watch mukbangs videos. So I'm not better than anyone. And, um, but capitalism is at fault when it promotes that through money, you know, when it pays people to do this. So it takes this tendency that we all have and it makes profit out of it. That is wrong. Um, so yeah, the problem is that... We live in this world where capitalism does not create tendencies, but takes advantage of them and of us in the meantime, because it doesn't tell us that we should maybe work on these tendencies and improve and develop our character instead of just, you know, indulging in them. 
Yes, and um, particularly now back again to only fans. So, what happens then if you also have, you know, minors? For example, there were many cases I read about where um, uh, people had uh, applied to only fans as creators uh, with their their deeds of their grandmothers. There, there was famously a case, right, where a 13 year old or something applied with a, a D of her grandmother uh, and then created videos. So, I mean, these uh, these things, how this obviously, you know, is, is against the law and it's obviously bad, but these platforms make it more difficult uh, to regulate this and, and even to know about this because there is this you first have to subscribe and and you cannot expect the the government to subscribe to all these channels in order to be able to uh, police them uh, so would it help to have um, a government organization you know getting free accounts on all these platforms and and watching them or how how can we make sure that uh, people are protected there right especially children yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure about this age thing. Obviously, there should be a limit. I think there's a. It's a good thing also that um, children should cannot have a social media account. They do, but you know, technically they shouldn't be allowed to. Um, but I don't know how to solve this. I don't know if the government should uh, be a bit of a spy and try to check what people are doing. I mean, in a way, this is what we've been doing is reporting people. So you see something problematic on social media, you report it. And if enough people report it, then the person can get banned. That's a thing. But also, you know, people may report anything. Uh, and I don't know if you want to follow the opinion of the masses on everything, but also if we believe in democracy, we, we technically we should. But what is the mass on social media? It's not necessarily everyone. It's not necessarily even the majority. It's just the more vocal individuals on these platforms. And um, it becomes more difficult also if you say to ban them because then they can create another account, right? I mean, this is the thing with social media. You cannot yeah. ban anyone because after five minutes they have a new account and a new audience if the if the thing is attractive um, enough, what they offer. And then you would get into this discussion, should we have, you know, real names and should we have, you know, the opportunity to have fake names on social media or not, which is also not clear, right? That it's a good thing and to I force people to use their real names. Uh, I think uh, being anonymous online is, is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, people always think it's the problem with social media is that you are anonymous. I don't think it's the problem with social media. I think it's okay that you just don't want to give your name and you just want to express your opinions Maybe you don't want your employer to see, or you don't want your friends or whoever. You may you may express opinions uh, privately. There's no issue with that. Uh, problem is when people hide behind the fact that they're anonymous, and then they show their real face, the face they don't show in society. That's an individual problem. Like you should be a better kind of person, right? Uh, about the possibility of having multiple accounts. So, social media does. Uh, provide you from that a little like if you block somebody for example uh, I think they will now ask you do you want to block them and all the accounts they may create something like this so maybe it's the IP that's being traced I don't know um, but you have ways to actually you know ban people in some ways 
you often see creators complaining because their been their posts have been uh, taken down or you know they couldn't do something online but uh, it's limited obviously uh, and again it, it brings us back to the same question uh, should these websites um, decide who is banned and who gets to express their opinion online and what kind of purpose is this serving again I'm very cautious of uh, a corporation whose interest is to make money um, regulating these things regulating speech in general um, so maybe some kind of third party maybe we could create some kind of job like some kind of third party that would be regulated by you know people some kind of public institution that would have the job to be the social media police you know uh like we do in politics you know the united nation is supposed to be that kind of thing or um we could think of some something like that for social media right another another problem seems to be that um and, and perhaps this should be the last one um we talk about uh, is the um, question of labor and uh, protection worker protection in relation to all these uh, private uh, employment uh, gigs right as they call them so you have you know i read an article recently i can put a link um, down there which compared only fans with Uh, things like delivery services or Uber, you know, these private uh, taxi driving companies. And the idea was that, you know, OnlyFans is from a, from a labor perspective is just one more of these gig companies where you can um, get some income quickly, but it comes with um, Uh, big problems uh, in the long run because you don't have any workplace safety, you don't have any regulations, um, you don't have any control, state control on how much you work or how much this affects your life. Uh, and in the end, you know, if you are if you are taken ill or something, you cannot do it, then you're completely out of an mm. income. Uh, and the government has been trying occasionally to regulate these things better so in uh, with uber drivers in various countries there have been lawsuits where they got some more rights and they were considered uh, not completely free uh, but they were considered to be employees right of the company and then to have some basic protections and, and so if we see only fans like that Uh, is this also a problem? And what could we do then? I mean, could we say that OnlyFans, the company, should treat the creators as employees? And, and it seems that this is more difficult then, right, than when we talk about a delivery, food delivery company or something, because <clears throat> now the um, OnlyFans would have employees whose job in their employment is to, you know, provide sexual content. Uh, and yeah. this seems to be, again, a problem, right? Um, so I'm 100% uh, for people having more job security and uh, maximizing employees' rights in general. And I agree. This is If this is a similar kind of issue, like uh, Deliveroo, uh, 
Uber drivers, etc. This is very problematic. This is highly problematic. If this is another way for corporations to make money, uh, taking advantage of people's labor without giving them anything in return, this is wrong. This should be regulated. And the same for sex work. This is why I said sex work should probably be legal such that we can actually regulate it the way we regulate any sort of job. I have a huge issue with the moral aspects of these platforms, Deliveroo, uh, Uber, and all of that. Um, I think this is a new kind of proletariat, definitely. And this is what you know the, the workers of the 21st century look like. Um, I mean, like workers, the way we think of, you know, factory workers and um and this is uh this is going to be a huge issue it's already a huge issue and things are slowly changing maybe but uh yeah again these kind of platforms sell this lie that you're your own boss and your own master and maker of your destiny and you know freedom and all of that but it's actually extremely alienating and um immoral in, in many kinds of ways just a way for the company to make more money without you know providing uh, much and if only fans and these online platforms are the same then yes it should be much more regulated if it's only a way for people to make money on the side uh, but it's not really a job per se uh, or their main source of income that could be a little different you know there's no nothing wrong with providing <clears throat> a service being a freelance whatever on the side um, but I, I don't know if that's the same thing. And yeah, I don't you know, think but on the other hand, we can say we, we have had freelance artists forever in, in human history. There have almost never been employed artists. So if you are a comedian, if you are an um, actor in, in movies, if you are a writer, a poet, you know, you're yeah. always freelancing. You're always just selling your product without any protection. Uh, and we never objected to that. We never said the government should employ all poets and, you know, give them a basic salary. So why is then, you know, being a delivery driver different from being a poet? So then we have to justify that again, right? Um, it's an interesting point. Uh, I'm not sure poets should not have job security, to be honest, or artists in general. Uh, well, actually, in France, we have this system where if you're an artist, if you work in this, you know, industry, um, if you do a certain amount of hours per year, because, you know, these people don't have jobs, like they don't have nine to fives, obviously, and there's like months in the year when they don't work. And sometimes they work all the time for like three months. Maybe there's a festival, they need to get ready for that, etc. So it's very irregular. And so the government has the system where you have, you accumulate a certain number of hours per year. And when that's the case, you can register as an official artist, basically, and then the government pays you a regular stipend. Um, you can get paid regularly according to how many hours you've worked, et cetera, et cetera. So this is kind of a nice status to get as an artist. Um, but for that, you need to regularly, regularly work as an artist and prove that to the government. So I think that's a good thing, actually. I think it's, this is actually what the government should be doing because... I think, you know, art is necessary. I think uh, it's important. It should be valued the same way someone working in a band should be valued, maybe even more, um, probably even more. And um, I, I think so something similar could be done with sex work. And um, 
and obviously something similar should be done with people who decide to freelance uh, being delivery drivers. But I don't yeah. think it's exactly. But then you would be saying the government should pay sex workers and then even worse, perhaps in, in proportion to the amount of sex work they produce, right? Uh, the number yeah. of hours. So if you stick more hours into your uh, you know, OnlyFans account, then you get more money from yeah. the government. This seems to be... Uh, I'm not saying the government should pay for sex work. I'm saying I'm not opposed to a kind of system where sex work is being recognized by the government as some kind of work and is being regulated and protected by some laws right that's different i'm yeah. saying i'm saying there is similar a similar system for artists and for artists it's the government that kind of does that but i'm not saying this is what the government should do i'm saying there should be some kind of regulation around this Right, right. But there's a gray zone, right? I mean, what is art exactly? And who is an artist? Yeah. So long, we, it, it's time. easy to recognize, you know, the classic artists, but then you can go into performance art and you can say that even, you know, uh, undressing or, or, you know, doing other things in, in a sexual context might be a kind of art, right? Um, uh, you yeah, can claim always that whatever you do is art. And it's difficult then to to police the definition of art, right? Who who will tell us what is art and what is not art i think that's a long conversation i don't know if you want to have it now i mean it has to do with the aesthetics and what's beautiful right no no judgment. i just wanted to point out that that yeah, you have is. to go into this conversation if you want to, to solve you this do. problem you do uh i think it, in this case in, in case of france it's about if you work in the show business you know industry like um, you're on stage or you work for people who are on stage or in any kind of way um anyway i'm not i'm not myself an artist i don't know uh but uh yeah so the main point i think is like everything i think we should do everything such that we make sure people have as many options as possible and they don't feel like they have to do a certain thing and that that's True for sex work or delivery or any sort of career. Um, and then once they make an informed decision, we should make sure they're being protected. Their rights are being protected. They're not being treated as a mean. And um, they leave, uh, you know, a fulfilling life and with the help of institutions and, uh, you know, healthy institutions, a government that uh, has, um, you know, the purpose of taking care of its people and not maximizing profit for big corporations and things like that. So that's, I think, the conclusion I would, I would give to this. Okay, great. So thank you uh, again for being here and listening to that. And we will talk again next week about, Ezekiel, what do we talk about next week? Uh, I think the idea was to take, talk about maybe um, online dating and the morality of maybe choosing people according to, you know, uh, appearance or maybe even the system of notation. We could uh, mention this a bit, like, uh, you know, did we lose a bit of uh, ourselves in this uh, habits we took of giving grades to people and judging them very quickly on, based on the way they look or this kind of thing. Could be interesting. Okay, okay, very good. So this was your Accented Philosophy podcast and come again next week where we can talk about online dating. Thank you and goodbye. Okay, see you. Bye-bye.